Welcome to Process to Profitability, a podcast all about the tools and strategies you need to serve your clients and grow your small business, hosted by me, Samantha Mabe of Lemon in the Sea. Join me as I chat with creative entrepreneurs and small business owners about how they built and grew their businesses and how you can do the same in a way that fits you. Let's get started. You're listening to episode 126 of Process to Profitability. Today, I'm talking with Rhodesia Jackson about making diversity and inclusivity an intentional part of your business. We talk about the importance of inclusivity in your business and why it's beneficial for businesses beyond just being the right thing to do. We also cover the different types of diverse groups you should be thinking about. Rhodesia shares with us about how to make your website more inclusive and inclusivity on social media. And she gives us some resources for inclusive and diverse stock photos. We talk about inclusive language and how to apologize when you mess up. My favorite takeaway from this episode is that if you are sharing your values and who you are on social media, on your website, and in your business, you are going to be attracting the right clients for you, and you don't need to apologize for being yourself online. Rhodesia Jackson is a branding and web designer living in Boston, Massachusetts with her wife and furry feline son. While spending eight years working as a graphic designer and marketing major for large companies, she quickly became aware of the lack of diversity and inclusion in the corporate world. After going through some eye-opening experiences in her personal life, she realized that life is too short to continue to contribute to the success of businesses with values that didn't align with her own. In 2018, she took the leap to start her own design business. She now spends her time working with feminist business owners to create brands and websites that help their mission and values shine through. If you want to learn more about this topic, Rhodesia has a great blog full of posts about inclusivity, diversity, and I learned a lot there as well as from this interview. Hi, Rhodesia. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So I read your bio at the top of the show, but I'd love it if you could tell us a little bit more about who you are, where you're from, and how you got started in your business. Yeah, um, I'm a graphic and web designer um, based out of Boston. I've been here for a long time, (laughs) 12 years, I guess, more than that probably at this point, Um, over 12 years. And uh, I've started out working in like corporate offices and marketing as their graphic designer, doing like typical things like emails, um, setting up websites, setting up ads, designing, things like that. Um, And after a while, I kind of noticed that there was a really lack of diversity and inclusion um, in the spaces I was in. I ended up typically being the only person, only Black woman, only queer person, um, kind of like the only X, Y, and Z. So I, which is something I'm really passionate about is like inclusion and diversity and making sure everyone's voices are heard. After a while, I decided to go off on my own. It was always a plan to do that, but I went ahead a little earlier than I planned and <laughs> took the plunge and things ended up going pretty well. So luckily for me, I was able to really start focusing on like a diverse and inclusive uh, brands, brands that wanted to make sure that's in the forefront of their, of their marketing. Um, they want to make sure that they're including everyone. And that's kind of where I got started, I guess in this whole world of inclusion and diversity, especially with things going on in the past few years, um, really coming to the forefront of people's minds has helped me be able to push and educate more and more people. 
That's awesome. And I found you through a summit and then I checked out your blog. You've got a lot of great posts on there about inclusivity and diversity and how we can do that authentically, which is what we're going to be talking about today as well. Yes. I, I love being able to educate people. I think in terms of marketing, it's so much about focusing on these kind of like stereotypical people. And I think making sure people get out of that mindset and realizing that people are all different and they all share so many different, you know, mindsets, thoughts that are not always encompassed by our identities. And it's important to remember that. Yeah, it is. So I want to start by really talking about what being an inclusive business means because it's deeper than just, you know, making sure you have a checklist of different people on your website. Yeah, of course. Um, For me, an inclusive business is more about thinking about your business from the perspective of everyone you can think of. Thinking about how they might perceive your business as they're visiting your website or seeing your ad somewhere or seeing some of your content. You want them to be able to you know, consume your content, meaning they're able to read it, listen to it, and, you know, learn more about it any way that they can, whether they're like uh, visually impaired or hearing impaired. Um, Also the fact that they can see themselves, you know, using or um, interacting with your business. So if you're a hair salon, you want to make sure that they can see themselves being able to go to your hair salon. So they're not only focused on a certain type of hair, a certain texture of hair. Mm -hmm. So you want to be able to um, let your prospective clients and customers know that you're thinking about them and that they're not an afterthought, that they're not just a way to make more money. You're actually thinking about them in a way of like, I want to be able to serve this person and be able to be there for them and support them and make their lives better with my products or service. And that's kind of what being inclusive business is to me. It's more about like your actual purpose for being in your business and how you want to help others regardless of what their identities are and not just about making money and not just about being successful. Um, that to me is ultimately what it's about. And it's not about like using stock photos that have black people in it or queer people in it, or using um, fonts that are just are friendly for dyslexic people. You want to make sure that you're actually, your heart is in the right place so that you're making sure you're doing these right, these things for the right reasons, not just to you know make money. Mm-hmm. All right. So why is it important to be inclusive in our business? You covered that a little bit, but I want to know kind of on the business side, why is that important? Yes. To me on the business side, like aside from just like not being a shitty person, um, <laughs> which is how I, I think of it. If you're like purposely not being inclusive, like, oh, it costs too much money or, oh, I don't need to do that. That's like, come on now. Um, like aside from being a shitty person, not being a shitty person, you want to do that because you're really like attracting as many people as possible and you're able to get your message across for your service or business, um, your service or products. You're able to reach more people um, and letting them know like, hey, I'm here and I also realize that you exist and I respect your identities and I want to be able to help you. And these messages, is kind of what marketing is all about. You're telling your clients like, hey, I'm here and I'm the perfect product for you. So if someone's identity is marginalized, if they're a queer person, if they're living with a disability, they're often erased. If they see a brand or product that is like actually talking directly to them, that is a big deal. Like when I see a brand company talking directly to me as a black queer woman, I am like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like they know that I exist. They're talking directly to me. That means they spent their marketing dollars to talk to me. 
They know I exist. They know that I have needs. They know that I'm actually interested in those products. I'm going to go buy it, whatever it is, um, or work with them. Because that means a lot to me. Because a lot of the times you're erased by big brands. You don't exist. Mm-hmm. I think these days it's more and more um, prevalent that people are actually like talking to these different marginalized groups. But I want it to become from a place of authenticity. I don't want it to become from a place like, oh, we need a Black person in this commercial. We need a mixed race couple in this commercial. We need someone who's using a wheelchair in this commercial. Like these things come across as really fake to me, especially when the actions that the companies are doing don't feel authentic. That makes sense. And I think most businesses, especially small businesses, we want to be welcoming to everyone. We want to serve everyone. We just don't it's not our first thought. Yes, exactly. We haven't seen it done well in a lot of cases. So it's a new thing that we're having to learn. Yeah. It's like, not like people are trying not to be inclusive. It's like, they don't think about it because their identities aren't marginalized. They don't, it doesn't cross their minds. So typically I think your first instinct is like, oh, I'm a queer person. I want to make sure that I'm thinking about queer people. And I think as you're educating yourself more and more, you're like, oh, snap, I forgot about this group. I forgot about this group. And then I think as you learn more, it makes you want to include them more. And you're actually thinking about it. And at that point, you're actually making steps to be more inclusive. And I think that's why education is a really big part of it, because I don't think that most people are doing this on purpose. I think it's just like they don't think about it. Mm-hmm. Because like if you're a white person in like this country, you don't have to think about those things. As a Black person, you think about all sorts of different things being included. But if you're a white person, you don't have to think about these things because they're not part of your daily life. But I think stepping out of your comfort zone and stepping out of your day-to-day life and things that you experience helps you, you know, open your eyes to other experiences and help you ultimately be more inclusive. Yeah. So we've mentioned a couple of different things, but what types of diverse groups should we be thinking about? It's more than just race, So what other types of groups should we be thinking about when we're looking at inclusivity? Yeah, I think most people think immediately about race, but you need to think about like gender, whether people are non-binary or gender non-conforming. If people are, you know, have been incarcerated before, that's also a marginalized identity. If people have served in the military or on on forces, if people have um, lived without homes. Um, or experienced homelessness, people have experienced domestic violence, all these things are marginalized identities that people don't think about. Um, also like sexuality, people's body sizes, um, all these things you have to think about because these are things that affect their daily lives that might be different from what you're experiencing. Not even that, just like physical disabilities, folks who might use um, mobility aids like wheelchairs or canes, um, even age People don't think about that a lot, especially with stock photography. It's extremely frustrating to find photos of people who are of different ages and not like stereotyping them to like knitting and hard candies. <laughs> like it's hard. It's hard, especially with photography, like how much people put people in a box, especially when you're trying to, as a designer myself, of trying to um, depict people as living like, you know, vibrant, bright lives, regardless of what marginalized identities they might you know, experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and just using, though some of these identities might not be able to be seen in photography, like using different fonts to help people who might like have dyslexia or different cognitive disabilities. Also like thinking about what language you can use on your website to make sure you're, you're like, you're actually thinking about their identities. 
and not just erasing them, especially when it comes to like homelessness, thinking about like if you're hiring, making sure you're not using only the internet to apply for the job because not everyone has access. Um, if they're living experiencing homelessness, they won't have a laptop or computer. Um, things like that, really trying to think about what could be things that can stop them from taking part in whatever you're, you're doing. Do you know what your dream clients see when they come to your website? The only way to figure out how your dream clients are using your website and what makes them leave is to ask them. I've created a special UX test guide that you can get at lemonandthesea.com slash UX test. Inside, you'll learn how to structure a user experience test to get the best results, 18 questions to help you really see your website through their eyes, and my favorite way to find dream clients to help you. You need to look at every stage of your client's journey from landing on your website to completing the final goal through their eyes so that you know what to change right now to start converting more visitors into clients. Get the guide at lemonandthesea.com slash UX test. I would love if you could help us figure out the balance between creating this ideal client that we want to work with. So for a lot of business owners in, that listen to my podcast, they want to work with women without excluding people. Yes. So doing that is, is difficult, extremely difficult. So one of the members in my Facebook group, um, Built to Be Inclusive, actually shared an article um, it was, I think it was on medium. It was about just changing that language. Like a lot of people want to say women only, but what you really mean is like not having, being able to have a safe space for people who have marginalized, marginalized genders. So that's kind of what the term is. Marginalized genders, which would be non-binary people, trans folks and women to come together to talk about any kind of experiences they have, because you don't want to exclude them. It's kind of more about the camaraderie around having a gender that is not always put first in society, which would be uh, cis men, which is what you're kind of like excluding, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> but you don't want to be like, no boys allowed, <laughs> which is not which is not like what you want to be saying, especially because trans men are men. Um, you want to be able to say that like marginalized genders, people who are not put first in the you know hierarchy of gender are able to come together and discuss what they need to discuss in a safe space. And that's kind of what, from my experience, what people are trying to do when they say women only or a space for women. Um, so I've started changing that language around in my own marketing stuff because I used to say women, I work with women who blah, 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 blah. And that's a lot of people I know who I'm communities I'm part of. But I think making that specific wording, marginalized genders, lets people know that you're not excluding gender queer people mm-hmm. um, and you're you know welcoming. Yeah. Think that makes a lot of sense and i've found in my business a really i'm targeting people of marginalized genders but i have worked with some men who are also good clients because they're they understand all of this so we're not necessarily saying no boys allowed ever we're just making sure that they align with the values that we have as a business and will respect us exactly so even that like I'm actually moving more towards like not having that language at all. Just maybe just saying like inclusive businesses for me personally, or even just making sure that your marketing when you're doing it on social media are pushing all your values. So like if people aren't cool with those values, they're not going to reach out to you. So like you're kind of putting up that, that barrier to people who are going to be rude or disrespectful to you because of your gender, which happens sometimes with, with men who are clients sometimes, which is why I typically don't work with them. But 
but you want to be able to work with the ones who are cool. So you want to be able to put out your own values and if they align with theirs and they're probably the cool ones and they want to work with you. And that's kind of what I've been doing is like, don't shy away from showing who you really are on your social media platforms. Like regardless of gender, people will go to people that they agree with or, you know, have um, similar values as. So, you know, putting those out and posting those helps you narrow down your clients um, to people you actually want to work with, who you enjoy working with and you can be friends with really. Yeah. Okay. So we mentioned uh, websites and that I'm a website designer. You're a graphic designer. So how specifically can we make our websites more inclusive? Yes. So there's like a ton of things, (laughs) as I'm sure you know, to the point where it's like makes your mind just, yeah. So I think at the very minimum, I think making sure you have alt tags. So alt tags traditionally as far as SEO, you're meant to just like put in, you know, SEO keywords. So, but really you should be using those for people who are visually impaired. So describing the photo, but also you're putting in those keywords in a tasteful way <laughs> so that you're not taking over the, the tag. Um, so like if you have a picture of a dog, you want to describe a dog. So a photo of a Dalmatian dog on grass with a background of sun or something like that. And that describes the photo. So if the photo doesn't show up or they visually impaired, they're using a screen reader. It will describe the photo and they have an idea of what's there. Um, and that's kind of like the point. So if you wanted to add in keywords, if you were like a Dalmatian breeder or something, you could say something about the breed specifically or on a breeder's yard, lawn, whatever you want to say, just to add in some keywords. But ultimately you want to make sure it's for informational purposes. That's kind of the purpose of it. Not so much SEO. Uh, well, this is kind of for SEO, but you want to be able to let someone know it's, what's there. Also making sure you're using, um, you know, fonts that are legible. I know like script fonts are all the rage. I guess it's dying down a little bit more now, but script fonts are like the bait of my existence for websites and a lot of other things. I just think they're so hard to read and people aren't careful about picking out ones that are very legible. I know like if you like, I can mostly see that, then it's probably not legible. <laughs> you should probably pick something else. Just because for people with cognitive disabilities, I'll take them very long to read things and they're going to get frustrated and want to leave because that's annoying. I'll get annoyed with that too. I'm like, I can't read this. Like, Or people who might experience dyslexia or people, you know, who have any kind of reason for not being able to see as clearly any visual impairments will, you know, frustrate them. Um, also making sure your website, your content, like eBooks and blogs and that sort of thing, having them accessible in different mediums. So like if you have this podcast, for instance, having this available as a transcripts would be helpful for people who are using screen readers or who are uh, hearing impaired. So able, still able to digest this and consume this content without having to, you know, find some workaround to be able to access mm-hmm. it. Those sorts of things I think are the main things that I would focus on because as you're going through your podcasts, as you're going, you are able to make these like different mediums. And also when you're adding photos to your website for like blogs, or for instance, you're able to add different things, add different uh, alt tags to make sure people are able to access them. Yeah. Those are great. I would say I have found for the fonts, choosing fonts is really important and making sure that the color contrast is high. Yes. Color contrast. Not absolutely. Use a light gray font on your website. <laughs> yes. Color contrast. I always completely forgot about that. Yes, please. Oh my God. <laughs> That and as well as on print, um, 
think about like making sure you're using the right colors people can see. There's contrast checkers, um, webaim.com has, or org has a lot of resources for making sure that your content is accessible as far as like color contrasts and things like that. They have checkers that will go through your whole, like each page you put in and it'll go through it and tell you like why this might not be great. That might be a little overwhelming if that's your first time to go there. So focus on smaller things like your fonts and your color contrasts and not like everything else because there's a lot of things that you can do to make your website more accessible. Yes, I use WebAIM as well. And I think it's important for people to remember, start on the main pages of their website if they've got a lot of content and just kind of go through it a little bit at a time. You have a time, exactly. Because otherwise it's going to be an overwhelming thing. It's like so daunting. Doing your whole, even for me, it's my whole website is like, like oh, oh my God, like the amount of things I need to change. Like my website now is like, I think three years old at this point and I'm redoing it. And I'm just starting from scratch because I don't have to go through each page and, and fix it. Yeah. And the other thing about having a website that's accessible, especially is Google's starting to look at those yes. for their SEO ranking. So yes. they are tracking that and it's going to be even more important in the future. Yes, because that's huge to make sure you're showing up on Google. Everyone's always worried about that. And this is also more incentive, though that shouldn't be your main goal, people. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's still an incentive for you to make sure your website's accessible so everyone can actually access it. Yes. Okay, so do you have anything maybe we should think about for social media to be inclusive there? I know like we should still be doing some of the same things as on our website, but it's a little bit different when we're on social. Yes, it is a little bit different. Um, like Instagram and Facebook, I think they both have like the alt text for photos now. Um, and should always put those in. I usually put them in that area as well as in my description or caption for the photo um, on like Instagram or Facebook. I think it's helpful for people to be able to see what's going on um, in the photo that you're posting. Also, um, making sure you're having like hashtags on there are also very helpful. But when you're using hashtags, Apparently, you're supposed to have each word be capitalized because otherwise screen readers just read it as like one long word, which is like not helpful. So if you're like hashtag small business, you want to make sure you capitalize the S in the B because otherwise it's going to be, I don't know what I would say, <laughs> small business. <laughs> what do you mean by word? You want to make sure you're capitalizing both letters because otherwise it's going to be one word and no one's going to know what you're saying, especially if it's a longer hashtag. Also, as far as like what you're posting, um, making sure you're posting things that are not all the same. Um, what I like to do, which sounds kind of snarky, is when I see a new business and they're like really inclusive, I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I scroll back to before George Floyd to see what they're posting because I want to know that they weren't just doing this, everyone else is doing it. So as of like last June, was June or May, whatever, last summer, before last summer, if you're just posting all the same white girls, I'm out. <laughs> like, I'm not about it. You're just posing. You're just pretending to be inclusive. That bothers me. Like, if there is a few and not, like, a ton, or if it was, like, a ton for, like, a couple months and then they stopped, mm-hmm. that also is, like, a no-no. Um, because people do have the ability to change and, like, transform. You want to kind of, like, keep a little eye on them. Don't just take it for face value. I like to, like, do a little homework and a little research to see what they've been up to because I know people could have woken up at that point. But if they're still doing it at this point, because it's almost a year later, that is something to me. But if they did it for a few months to like, I don't know, January and they stopped, that's a warning sign to me. 
you want to make sure people aren't just like, you know, falling off and don't actually care. And we're just only doing it for, you know, everyone else was doing it, which I think a lot of people were doing, unfortunately. But, you know, you ha- you're able to check and look back, especially with things like Instagram or Facebook to see what's going on. I think that's a really good reminder. We, we leave space for people to change, but we make sure they're actually changing instead right, of yes. performing. Yes. So like now I don't really do the whole like look back to Bay and see what they're doing before then. That was more like late last year. But mm-hmm. now at this point, I'm like, people could change. People can grow. People have the ability to not be shitty anymore. <laughs> and like, be like, oh shit, I should probably pay attention to this. And that sort of stuff. Yeah. Because I think people always have an ability to change. I'm not yeah. really big on cancel culture, I guess. But people need to be held accountable for their actions, mm-hmm. ultimately. But have a chance to apologize. Yeah. So do you have any resources for specifically inclusive stock photos or other uh, places that we can kind of learn how to do some of this? Yes. So some stock photos I really like. Um, Vice has like a collection of gender inclusive photos. It's called the Gender Spectrum Collection. That's what it's called Um, by Vice. And they have a great selection of uh, photos of gender queer folks um, working um, socializing at doctor's offices, things like that. I use it pretty frequently because it's kind of hard to find photos like that um, of genderqueer folks. Another photo I, or another photos I like are creator stock. It's create her stock. And they have a lot of great uh, photos of black women in relationships, like hanging out, working, um, things like that. They have a good selection and they're not um, super, like, I don't see them all over the place, which is what I like to do. I don't like to use the same photos as everyone else. Also a couple like oldies, but goodies, like stock, um, I stock has good ones. If you go in there, they have these collections now they have, um, special diversity collections, which are great to use as well as Shutterstock stock custom as well, which are ones that typically I would avoid like the, like the plague for stock photos, but going back now, I'm kind of like, Oh, that's kind of cool. And then like Stocksy is also really good photos that I find, especially for like family sort of things. If you want couples and families and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I think sometimes it just means we have to dig deeper. Yes. You will be digging. (laughs) (laughs) You will be digging. And it's, it's like a labor of love. I like, I won't stop digging until I find the right photo because (laughs) I want the right photo. Some good things I try to do sometimes is like have a VA do it because that's a lot of time to be spending digging. And I have a habit of like spending hours digging for photos when really it's not a great, great use of your time. Even though you want to find the perfect photo, you got to be careful about your time and how you're spending it. So having a VA that you trust, because having a VA that you trust looking through photos is also very helpful because you want to make sure you're getting the right vibe, but also you don't want to spend all your time doing it Yeah. um, when you can be building a website instead. (laughs) Um, yeah. Also, another websites I like Canva has some good resources as well. They have, I think you have to use camera photos on Canva, but they do have some good um, photos or collections that they have on there, which are helpful if you're in a pinch. All right. Perfect. I will link to all of those so that people can check them out and see what they can find for their own websites and social media. So now I want to talk about language because I think we kind of get we should be looking for photos with diverse groups of people, but how can we use inclusive language? Yes. So inclusive language is always changing. Like 
for a long time using Womexin with an X, W-O-M-X-N was very popular. And now there's some trans folks saying that they don't like that use because it kind of like separates them from women, which I think makes sense. So I've, I've heard since I stop using that, but I've also heard from trans folks that they like using that. So it's kind of like, you have to make your own decision based on like what you think, based on the resources that you have to learn from to decide how you're going to use that language. Um, because it's not always the right answer because things are always changing. Mm-hmm. So trying to trying to use your best judgment around that. Um, also taking cues from what people in those communities are using as far as language. I also don't like using language like peop- homeless people, people who are experiencing homelessness mm-hmm. is something I would prefer to use because saying homeless people it, like makes their entire identity being homelessness as opposed to like, this is a person experiencing homelessness or someone in a wheelchair, someone using a wheelchair, someone using mobility aids. It's different than saying someone, a handicapped person or mm-hmm. whatever else you might, might say. Just using your words carefully and thinking about would I want to be def- defined as this identity completely? You know what I mean? But some people who in wheelchair, use wheelchairs or experience homelessness don't have any problems using those languages because they're saying like, I take that word on and I just, I decide how it's defined. Mm-hmm. Um, but just kind of taking cues from people in those communities and not being worried about making mistakes. And that's how you kind of learn because people will probably call you out. <laughs> and then you say like, oh, thank you. I had no idea. Thank you so much for educating me on that. And that's kind of like the cool thing about the internet because you're able to be educated and like kind of leave your pride behind and able to learn and make mistakes, but learn from them and improve as a person. Yeah. That gets me into a question. I think a lot of us don't know what to do when we don't get things right. So how do we approach things if we mess up? Okay. Number one, apologize, (laughs) but don't make it about you. Don't cry. Like, I'm so sorry. Don't do that. (laughs) You want to apologize and like show up and own what you did. I think is like number one as, as far as like what I want to see a person do, like saying I did this, it was messed up. I should have never done it. I'm sorry for doing it. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z to make sure it never happens again. And whether that's like, I'm going to donate money to his cause because you really messed up or like you're going to educate yourself or you're going to take a course, you're going to read, you're going to do this or that, that. Um, and just like making sure you're actually taking steps to make sure it doesn't happen again is like number one in my mind. Um, and like taking ownership over your actions, not crying, not making it about you, because ultimately you're not the victim. The feelings you're feeling of guilt and shame are your problem, not the person who you're victimized or the group that you victimized. Mm-hmm. That's for you to take that over to your support systems and talk to them about how you're feeling X, Y, and Z, not to talk, take it to the victims or the victimized folks. Talk about that, which is something that happens a lot last summer where people would apologize on video and they'd be crying. And then you're like, Oh my God. (laughs) And it's just, please don't do that. (laughs) Um, It kind of erases your whole apology. Um, And also not taking too long to apologize or say something like, even if you're not ready to like comment about it, you could just say, I'm really sorry about this. I'm going to be having a note about it or a message about it on Tuesday or Monday, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I saw a lot of people like do something wrong and then they disappear for five days. You can't do that. <laughs> it's just like, that's just not good. Don't do that. 
<laughs> apologize, say, um, I'm thinking about how to respond or I'm thinking about how the best way to honor your feelings or I don't know, something not horrible. This mm-hmm. like quickly apologize and say, like, I'm not done. This is not my whole apology, but give me a few days to collect my whatever thoughts. Because otherwise it just feels like you're like, you're behind somewhere freaking out, trying to figure out how you're going to erase it, how you can erase the situation and get away from it as quickly as possible. When really that might not be your intention. Right. That's how it seems because no one else is going on in your head. They can't read your mind. Yeah. And it seems like these are things I've seen some businesses do well and some not, but it, from what I have seen, we don't want to erase the mistake either. No. We need to leave it there because a lot of people take a time and effort to put education into yes, comments, yes, especially yes. on social media. We can't take that away from them. Yes. We just want to, to kind of add to it in a future post or something for our- Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely don't erase it, especially if there's like a lot of content under there that's like educational. I think if there's no comments on it and you kind of realize yourself like, oh my God, what have I done? And you deleted it. I think that's fine. As long as you post again, be like, this is what I said, but you want to put like a trigger warning in front of it. So you're not triggering anyone who mm-hmm. might have hurts, but not erasing it to the point where that didn't happen. What are you talking about? Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, don't do that. Don't gaslight people. Definitely putting up like an apology as a separate post, especially if there's a lot of emotional, um, you know, work under it. People explaining things, people telling you why that's wrong, all that stuff. Don't delete it because people put a lot of work into it. Yeah, because um, it's not their job to cop on social media where it's supposed to just be like hanging out, seeing what's going on with your people you went to high school with, and there's something messed up they have to comment on. Yeah. It's like they don't want to be doing that. So it's like work for them, it's labor for them. But don't delete that. Apologize on a separate thing, being like a couple days ago I posted something really messed up and I'm sorry. Don't want that to be the person I am. I'm going to do something about it to change. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of like the basis of an apology to my in my mind. Yeah. A lot of ways, this just reminds me of teaching my toddler to apologize, where I don't want him to just go, sorry, and walk away. Yeah, I want like, him to actually learn what he did wrong and what to do different in the future. Yeah, it's because you're just saying sorry, and then you like, do it again five minutes later. It's like he just thinks, well, when I do something wrong, I just say sorry, and I'm done. Like, no, that's not how it works, little one. Like, you have to actually apologize and really mean it, because it means a lot. I think teaching toddlers how to do this is probably the best time because then it's ingrained in their head that they should apologize properly because I don't know if I learned how to apologize properly or not. I don't know. I feel like I was just supposed to say sorry and then like go about my business. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think any of us were taught how to apologize. <laughs> the time is now. We can learn. We can figure this out. Yeah. All right. Do you have any more advice for um, inclusivity and diversity into our businesses? in a way that's authentic and shares our values before we wrap up? Yeah. Um, I think taking some time to think about what's important to you. So like, if like you donate money or volunteer with Planned Parenthood, those things are important to you. Um, if you, so you want to make sure you include information about um, things like that in your business, or if you want to think about like women's rights in your business, if you want to, if you support, um, you know, walk for hunger, think about that as like, income equality, food deserts, making sure you're stopping things like that in your business. Um, Really thinking about things that you care about in your personal life and bringing those into your business and not worrying about like offending people. This is kind of what I think that's about. I don't worry about that ever. (laughs) I used to in the beginning of my business, then I'm like, I don't want to work with people who this offends. No, I don't. 
So then you kind of put your whole person as a whole into your business. And then you end up working with people that you really like and enjoy. And then I think you end up having a lot less of those nightmare clients that you don't vibe with. Yeah. Um, because I don't think it's always like this client's a horrible person. It's like, I think it's just like, you guys didn't mesh. Mm-hmm. So like, it doesn't work. It's like trying to have a relationship with someone that doesn't mesh with you as a, as a person. Um, because somewhere out there is a client that you dislike that someone else would love and that someone else would dislike and you would love. Uh, it's all about finding that perfect match, <laughs> that yeah. business match. Um, and I think making sure that you're not hiding any part of you because I think ultimately then you have to like, pretend to be someone else that you're not. I never think about what I'm posting on social media, like if I shouldn't or should not. Like, am I going to offend people about this? I don't know. Like, I'm just myself. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry, but I'm not the one. I'm not the one for you. Yeah, that's kind of my, how I think about it. Yeah. And I think people shouldn't worry because there's so many people in this world that you will find people who vibe with you to work with enough to make sure that you're having a successful business and not worrying about like not, you know, doing well. Yeah, I think that's great advice is don't let all of this scare you into not doing anything. Yes, don't do that. Just like, don't be afraid to be yourself. And if you're following your heart and you're, you're, you're following your heart as to what you think is right or wrong, then you should be fine. All right. So as we wrap up today, um, I would love it if you could recommend one thing to a friend, uh, what would it be? It doesn't have to be business related, but just what would you recommend to a friend today? I would probably recommend a book um, by Sonia Renee Taylor. Um, it's called The Body is an Apology. It's like my favorite book ever. I read it like too many times probably. It's just really impactful about making sure you're thinking about your body and the way you look and the way you, you know, carry yourself in the world as not being something you need to be sorry for. Like, because you're not a cisgendered, uh, conventionally attractive white man with able-bodied is, does not mean that you need to apologize for your existence. Um, and that's just really powerful. I think everyone should read. All right. I will link to that in the show notes. I've seen that in a couple other places as well online recently. So it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Where can people find and connect with you online? Yes. Um, online, I'm on Instagram and Facebook a lot. Um, Instagram, it's Rhodesia J underscore designs. Uh, and then Facebook, I'm on a, I have a Facebook group called Built to be Inclusive. Um, it's a Facebook group where uh, feminist business owners can, you know, come and talk about anything they're concerned about as far as like being inclusive and diverse in their businesses. So if they want resources or um, advice on how to navigate certain things. Um, it's a really great group. I learn a lot. Everyone learns a lot because everyone has different experiences and perspectives and they all kind of come together into this great, uh, you know, community. Yeah. I'm part of that community. I think it's really great because you don't have to be afraid to ask questions. No, exactly. It's like an open space. Like no one wants in that group wants to be mean on purpose. <laughs> It's essentially, sometimes it's scary to ask questions in other places because you're like, oh, someone's going to pick on me. Oh, God. But everyone's there is trying to, like, educate everyone and, like, a safe space to ask questions and, you know, ask questions, talk about things you're excited about, talk about things that you're upset about. And it's kind of being, like, a positive space in this world where it's, like, it's tough to be um, part of a marginalized gender in business and, you know, make it work. 
All right. Well, I will link to that group and your Instagram in the show notes as well, as well as your blog. I think that has some helpful posts if people want to dig deeper into some of these topics. Yes. But thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about this with me today. Thank you for having me. I really love talking about this. I could talk about it all day. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Process to Profitability. Please take a minute to leave an honest review in iTunes so that I can help more small business owners and creative entrepreneurs find the show.